0: And welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Perra, and today I'm joined by Julian Gamboa. I'm going to let him introduce his lovely self. We just met uh, at a Young LinkedIn Leaders event, and that was amazing. So yeah, can you kind of tell the audience who you are and what you're about?
1: Hi, yeah. Uh, My name is Julian Gamboa. I was a course instructor at Berkeley teaching the class Digital Marketing today. I was also a campus editor at LinkedIn as well as a top voice in 2017 for, uh, social media marketing and, and yeah, social media marketing.
0: Perfect. That's awesome. So I remember something that really stuck out to me on when you were on the panel was like the instance of you applying to the business school and being denied, but then being able to create a course, like, so you're actually like, are you considered a professor and instructor at Berkeley now?
1: Yeah. So, uh, very funny story Uh, a bit a little bit tragic but you know like you have to find the the loopholes to succeed in in college um yeah so i'm considered a course instructor or a student course instructor um but basically yeah we had a, a professor at the school of business who helped us create the course um but it was basically me and my my team in front of 50 students every week so uh, yeah, that was that was amazing how how Berkeley allows you to do that. Um, so do you do you want me to tell the story of like the whole business school and everything?
0: Oh, yeah. No, let's get into it. Yeah.
1: So um, in Berkeley, you you can go in as undeclared and you have two years to basically figure out what you want to do. And um, I wanted to do marketing since I grew up watching commercials. And I was like, you know, Coca-Cola, that's where I got to be. I got to make those commercials so marketing was re- really my passion. And when I went to Berkeley, they told me that in order to be marketing, you have to apply to be a business major. So the way that worked is you wait two years. And after those two years, you take the prereq classes and then you apply. So I did as told I applied on my sophomore year on November, I think. And then you don't hear back until February. So I applied. Uh, sadly, I didn't get in, and I had a a major crisis, basically. I didn't know what I was going to major in. I was already a sophomore. I needed to figure out what I was going to do. And um, I, even, <laughs> I even went to the counselor and told her, hey, um, so I'm going to be a, a junior soon. I don't know what I'm majoring in. I just know I want to do marketing. And she told me you could either do media studies, but you're on your last semester. So what are you going to do? And I was I was looking at my my options and and she said you know you could also just change schools you can change move away from Berkeley and that was a big no you know because even just getting to Berkeley was a dream and how could I tell my parents like hey I was in Berkeley in two years now I'm out so that was a definitely no uh, luckily I was able to major in American Studies and then do some thesis on on marketing but. But yeah, my my whole world came down when when they told me I couldn't major in business and I couldn't attend a business school. So instead, what I did was, I I I went to a professor in um in Berkeley and and I found out that you you could actually teach a course. I had already helped out at a, a course that was being taught at uh, the business school of business at, at Berkeley, which is called Walter A. Haas School of Business. So I didn't know what. Uh, I went up to him and I told him, "I want to teach a course i want to I want to go from what I know uh, I want to make it about social media marketing and uh, help students out that are that perhaps want to get into marketing but are not majoring in marketing so with that I was able to to I had to come up with a 14 page syllabus that's just how long it was a list of required readings I had to plan homework ahead during the summer I was able to create a, a uh, recruit a fabulous team. Uh, just Gary Gallian, Samantha, Yen, Susan, Aziz, they were my first uh, team. They were great. They're on LinkedIn, love their content. Um, but yeah, they, they helped me create this class and even the prototype, um, the first semester we ran it, it's called Digital Marketing Today. The first semester we ran it, uh, we had around 36 students and each week was an adventure. We didn't know like uh, how they were going to take the slides that we had prepared i was a a sophomore at the time so i didn't know um who if seniors were going to be okay with a sophomore teaching them you know there was that whole age conception and um but luckily it went very well and then we started branching out we started reaching out to professionals from twitter google airbnb gap um a lot of these great companies and and yeah a lot of it's always amazing to go back to LinkedIn and see like my students, like one worked at uh, semantic and another one worked at Twitter and stuff like that. So it's always great to see them doing so well.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And I think that for you, was it ever like something that was a hurdle to overcome? Like realizing that like you are going to be a, a, like a teacher now, like, I don't know. It's really, it's quite a drastic Mm -hmm. change to go from currently in college to like, being a teacher like so was that something that like you were just like okay i'm gonna be um, like the person that's actually going to be standing for mm-hmm. the students then taking that back seat like how was how was that just like on a personal note
1: yeah no that was a uh, nerve-wracking like each semester i was uh each week i'm sorry of the first semester i was so worried of like what if someone challenges me on like the topic I'm i'm supposed to be knowledgeable about uh, obviously, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of Adweek, Mashable, like uh, CNN, and a lot of that stuff that relates to marketing. And I tried to be on, like, the the most that I could know about the, the topic we were going to talk about. Um, but, no, yeah, like, each week, um, it was it was just terrifying my first semester that, like, what if someone asks something that I don't know about? Or what if I give a, an incorrect answer that I'm not prepared for and since I like to have the class kind of like, hear the stuff I'm gonna talk about, but please do interrupt me during the class. Um, there was a lot of uh, room for error mm-hmm. on my part. But um, other than that, like it worked great. Um, you, do, you do get a lot of, you get, you get to meet a lot of uh, great students. We opened the class, so even though it was in the School of Business, we opened the class to be available to everyone from any major. Mm-hmm. Um, more than anything, because I knew what it was like to not be a business major. Uh, so I wanted to to open that door for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I, I really respect that. I think it's also like, just like on a personal note, too, that kind of related to me, like I was agricultural business, so I wasn't technically in my school's business program. And like that even limited me. I remember there was like this business fraternity. I wanted to join a lot of like really great benefits come with joining an organization like that. But there was one that was only for business students and then one that was with all majors. And I ended up joining the one that was for all majors because one I had to, but then also like look in hindsight, like I think that's really great. Like, cause at the end of the day, like you can be an animal science major, you can be an engineer, but we all need to learn how to represent ourselves as young professionals. So I think that having things that are open to all majors kind of just brings like a diversity and in thought into everything that the course is teaching you or the organization has to offer um so kind of like it's really cool to hear like about the course aspect are there any other projects or things that you're working on aside from the course that you feel like you're really excited about anything that's coming up right now
1: yeah um well i've graduated from berkeley so uh, i'm so happy that the course digital marketing today is still continuing even though i'm not teaching it anymore
0: that's awesome I,
1: i might be a guest speaker i don't know um but one of my course assistants uh, that she helped. She was a student on, on my first prototype class, and uh, she stuck with the team for the two years that I taught it, and now she's teaching it. Her name is Berkeley Welsh. She uh, is continuing the class, and she's going to do an amazing job, so I'm excited to see what she does with it. As far as I go, as postgrad goes, uh, I'm currently doing some freelance work for some marketing agencies in New York, uh, doing some copywriting stuff, but what I'm most uh, excited for is after the panel that we had with Natalie and Joel and Erwin, uh, uh, and after seeing you at the panel as well, uh, I, I was thinking I need to start a video series on LinkedIn. A lot of you have done amazing things on LinkedIn, and especially with video. So uh, if, if for those of, of the people that, that have already followed me on LinkedIn, you know that I post ads and I talk about it, kind of like case, little mini case studies because that's what I enjoy the most um what i what i'm doing right now it's kind of a prototype it's called uh as of now i'm calling it like my favorite ad and i'm basically going to reach out to my linkedin network to the professionals i've met throughout the years and ask them two basic questions uh what's your favorite ad and what makes it so special and what can others learn from the ad i think the biggest thing for me uh talking about marketing and like when i used to publish on on linkedin it was to help uh get these lessons and case studies from uh, fortune 500 companies and teach it to those mom and pop shops that are trying to make it that even though they don't have a graphics designer or they don't have a marketing expert, some stuff that they can post on Facebook or LinkedIn or how they can utilize even Twitter so that they can uh, apply the same ideas from the top campaigns. So what I'm doing with the, uh, my favorite ad campaign, I'm asking professional, like those two questions, and trying to get a conversation going. And more than anything, that's what I use as icebreaker when I'm trying to connect with like creative directors. And I basically go like, hey, my name is Julian. I'm interested in the creative space, but I also want to know what your favorite ad is. And you'll be amazed at like how many people, like some people from even, uh, let's say they work at Ogilvy, like the marketing agency. Some of them say, yeah, I work at Ogilvy, but my favorite ad comes from like McCann or other agencies. So it's amazing to see how how they do that. And yeah, I'm pretty excited, um, but I don't want to just open that video series to professionals. I want it to open. I want to open it up to my students and like other, other students as well. Um, my feed is just, it's not just a, a random assortment of people. It's mostly my students and then a few other professionals. So I think that's what makes LinkedIn so valuable to me that I uh, keep coming back to it. So I'll be I'll be launching it in the next 2 weeks I think. I have the first week planned already. I'm just trying to catch up on the on the content. But yeah, that that LinkedIn series is is I'm pretty excited for it. And I'm also looking to get back into publishing, just writing again about like the latest news and going from there.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And I think like Again, like, why do we come back to LinkedIn? It like always comes back to the people, and I love like, and I think that this is actually a very tactical piece of advice that the audience can take. And I know you mentioned on your panel, like, asking creative directors, like, what's your favorite ad, um, because that just opens a dialogue with the person that you're trying to reach out to, rather than just like a one way. Hey, I'd love to like learn more about you. Like, let's make it happen. That's a very easy thing to ignore when someone asks you like a direct question, like. like subconsciously like you already think of an answer right so like you if i saw that message and you asked me like oh what's my favorite like one instantly pops up and then i have to make the decision well do i want to type it out and respond i feel like most people will do that um and i think that just prompts people to actually respond so that's that's really cool that you do that um and also like i think it's cool because you're passionate about advertising and like i developed a passion for i i Thought I wanted to work in an advertising agency. I think I still do actually. Um, I know that that's like something I want to reach at one point in my career. So this is just like me and you connecting from that. But like what is your favorite ad campaign and like why?
1: Oh wow, I didn't expect that to turn around on me.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just turned your own question on you. I mean, you don't have to go super deep, like but yeah. I'll talk about mine too. So go ahead. No, yeah,
1: I, I have already posted about it. It's um, mm-hmm. the Happiness Factory from Coca-Cola. I think it's from two thousand six. So the ad goes on about like uh, what goes inside a vending machine, a Coca Cola vending machine, and it starts about a, a guy just dropping a, a dollar or something, and then there's a lot of creatures around. It's so happy, like um, the the Coke bottle is kissed before it gets to you by some uh, fantasy creatures. It's iced by penguins and snowmen, and before it gets to you, there's a huge parade that delivers it, right? So I think that is really what sold me on the image of Coca-Cola before the whole share a Coke thing. It's a uh, There's happiness in that bottle, you know, and it's something that uh, usually when I start my class, the info session for students that are interested, I, ex- I ask students, hey, what's inside a Coca-Cola bottle? And a lot of them say like sugar, fructose, corn syrup, you know, and water and stuff like that. It's like, well, yeah, that's what you guys know because like you're, you guys are college students, but... Ah, uh, this is what a marketer think thinks is inside a Coca Cola bottle, and it's like happiness, love, and all that kind of thing. And if you can attribute those kind of characteristics, those those kind of ah uh, ad- adjectives to your product, you can go a long way. And this doesn't just go to like a, a a type of soda beverage or or anything. It could even be a nap, you know. So I think that's that's the biggest takeaway from that kind of ad.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think. Also, like, something that I fell in love with, uh, like, recently was just, like, um, was uh, Converse's. Converse One Star, like, what they did to release that shoe because, like, they, like, identified a like an, a target market right and then like the influencers they chose were like so specific and like kind of like re- represented like a subculture that like they were influencers like not your kylie jenner's or your like you know those people they were like small time influencers but like people like me who would see someone like that on a billboard would be like so stoked because you're like wait i didn't know like like i i follow this guy right he's like a streetwear influencer his name's Cole galito and like Converse had him at, like the one star hotel. They put him on like a bus and everything. And I was like, "Whoa!" Like Converse is recognizing like this culture. Like I didn't know that they knew about this. And then them partnering with Tyler the Creator. They had Brock Hampton too. Like I don't know. I, they were very strategic with who they were choosing, and it was like making me fall in love with this shoe. That is a really cool shoe. But it's like I'm mostly supporting everyone that represents the shoe. So yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites. And I think that like what are some things that you've learned, I guess, on the advertising side? Because I don't know if all listeners here like realize they might look at ads as something that is either like (laughs) pops up on their YouTube feed, you know, like that. But speaking from like an industry perspective, there's a lot that goes into advertising agencies. And like, I know it's a lot of hard work and it's like long hours and stuff like that. Are there any things that you've things that you've learned about the advertising agency or like that industry that you didn't expect to coming into it?
1: Yeah, no, um, definitely a lot of hours put into like, even the simplest uh, banner, like um, there's this parody account on Twitter and and LinkedIn called ad week. But uh, instead of W E E K, it's W E A K, right? It's a parody account. And my favorite tweet from them is like a picture of a kid and and a mom and, and the the tweet says, breaking, mom explains to son why dad can't come home because he's working on a banner ad, right? So it's like, it's this crazy uh, live that I didn't really know that um, it was going to be so demanding and so many hours. And, and usually if you just look up on, on LinkedIn and, and like the conversations creative directors are having or people in the industry are having, um, it's it's more than anything, it's, it's even though there's a lot of time put into it, they're very proud of their work. And um, that's one of the reasons why I decided to launch this video series because uh, if you put a, a, a commercial out, people won't recognize you. They'll recognize the company. So when creative directors or the people responsible for those ads uh, hear you say, like, hey, I actually like this commercial and I know you did it, that's a a huge uh, thing for them, you know. So they're they're super excited for that, and just work recognition, I think, is the biggest satisfaction that 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 job can have, at least within the industry. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, and that's a great point. Is because like you're basically like a skeleton crew right like because i i don't know how much listeners know like what actually like how advertising for most of these big companies work like for the most part they're usually outsourced like to agencies and that's why we talk about advertising agencies because there's agencies that have a portfolio a list of clients that they serve um so even like one company could have multiple advertising agencies doing different product sectors or like marketing strategies so one for maybe just mobile and stuff like that so it's interesting because like you could work at an agency and you're actually tied to like nike or adidas or all these big brands but you're technically employed by like your agency (laughs) but i think that's something that's really cool about the model is like it's like ever-changing it's always moving um and then i guess as we wrap up here like final question like i think advertising not in the creative sense at all, but in like the way we view it as people has kind of had a negative connotation just because, you know, like the more we're on Facebook and like different platforms, the more we get advertised to. What do you see as the future for advertising?
1: Um, I want to my first go to would be uh, voice recognition, like the Google Home, Alexa, like Siri, all of this. Uh, I think it's definitely taking over, and it hasn't been um, used to its whole advantage. Like I think at the uh, Google event, we just saw that um, that Google Home will be able to set up a meeting for you. You know, and it looks, it sounds just like a human being, and I think that's super scary. And but but additional, like I think I know we're we're being watched on like the the, the social uh, accounts that we have. So like even if if you just talk about stuff like it could be recorded and then you'll get ads about that stuff which is crazy. Uh, on Amazon once I was in a, an an MBA class that I was taking and we were talking about this very specific book and within ten minutes I just refreshed my my Google feed and it came out and ad came out about that so it's it's crazy how how much companies are listening. So yeah, turn off uh, <laughs> the microphone settings on your apps. That's just my general piece of advice if you're very. Uh, paranoid about it but other than that like um speech and and augmented reality i think it's it's uh a big issue a big thing that's coming up so like uh amazon the the shop that they have at seattle the without any people but they still do have a lot of people outside managing the lines uh, i think that's still a, a very heavy prototype but we'll see how that goes and more than anything it's Pay attention to to um, social media. Social media is st- still not at its fullest. Uh, new things are coming up every week, if not every day. And we, we will see amazing stuff come from it, from both the marketing perspective and, like, consumer perspective.
0: I love that. That's great. No, super, super great note and to end on. And also, like, I think that when it comes to advertising, it's just, like, being aware, like, The fact that, you know, when you do sign those terms and conditions, they do come at some cost. Um, But yeah, like, that's just all important things to keep in mind. But thank you so much, Julian, for doing this. It was great talking to you. I We didn't really dive into the LinkedIn stuff more, but I think it's so cool because you brought like an advertising perspective. And as someone who has a passion for advertising as well, it was like a really cool thing to hash out. And I think that also for a lot of people, it could be seen as like an educated opportunity because they might see ads all the time, but not actually knows, know what goes behind it. Um, so yeah, is there anything you want to plug in? I know you talked about your course coming up. I'll definitely have your LinkedIn profile uh, linked below anything else you want the people to check out
1: yeah you can follow me at uh julian gumbo on twitter that's that, that's usually where my uh more native thoughts come into place linkedin is a little bit more planned out but definitely uh hit me up on, on twitter um and yeah keep an eye out for the video series and if you're interested i'll, I'll put out a form soon so that uh, any student can can join and give give me their insights and and i want to do it more of a community thing uh not just like an aa conversation you know so i want everyone to be engaged with that so yeah definitely keep an eye on my profile i'll post a lot of stuff and feel free to tweet at me
0: awesome all right guys well if you're listening to this podcast in your car or while working out just take a quick second to hit that subscribe button and leave a review that's always super appreciated